0: So this is why and how I stopped drinking alcohol. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses, and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Welcome back, Driven Mofos, to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about how I stopped drinking alcohol, especially when I was drinking a lot. When I was younger, I used to pretty much drink five nights a week. I'd have two nights off uh, just to rest and let my liver repair itself, but I was out every night partying, running a mark. And these are the things that sort of help me. I do get a fair few people who ask me how to stop drinking as much or how not to drink every night. And so I think that it's valuable in a way. But this just comes down to habit creation and how I created that habits that I've created that then just stop me from drinking. Now, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo. I'm the owner of Mojo Human Performance Institute. We focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. The reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life, and I just don't want you to be one of them. I guess when I was younger, I used to party pretty hard. Now, I grew up with parents who would drink and party every weekend. My mum was 17 when she had me, and my dad was 19, and they had a lot of friends. They're quite social. They still are now, actually. In fact, they're traveling around Australia with a whole bunch of their friends. In Caravan, They're very social people, and so we always used to go to parties. Even when I was young, I remember falling asleep on like you know on couches, on lounges. Like I would just sleep anywhere, anytime. I think that's why I have the sleeping habits that I have now, where I can sleep anywhere, anytime. If I'm tired, I'll fall asleep on planes. I fall asleep anywhere, really, if I'm tired. We used to go to a lot of parties, and I grew up around a lot of drinking, and I used to find it pretty cool as a kid. They would say, "Hey, go get me a beer." And my nickname was Scoob because I used to watch Scooby Doo a lot, and so their friends used to call me Scoob and so um, I would go get them beers and stuff out of the beer fridge and their friend had a shack up in the Riverland here in Australia in the along the Murray River at a place called Punny La uh, in between Walker's Flat and Swan Reach so I grew up wakeboarding and water skiing and doing all like cool shit and riding motorbikes and stuff which was fantastic to a point there was also a downfall of that as well but I grew up around a lot of alcohol consumption a lot of partying and so I saw a lot of crazy stuff that happened I'd see you know every now and again there'd be fights and punch-ups and stuff like that that I, I witnessed I would also see people jumping across. Across huge bonfires and that were massive onto mattresses that I put on the ground, and they would run and dive over the fires and stuff like that. And you know, they would, they would do, there would be guys on Harleys and stuff doing burnouts. And you know, it was pretty, it was pretty wild. It was quite entertaining. Like, I, my parents never put me at risk. And the great thing about them and their friendship circle was that when we were around, we were always looked after. And so, a lot of my parents' friends were our friends, even as young kids growing up, because they always looked after us and they always took care of us. So, I was never in any danger at all. But I just got, I I was able to witness those things. And so I grew up around a lot of drinking, which caused me not really to want to drink because I saw the downfalls of high levels of alcohol consumption. There were other things as well. When I grew up, I really wanted to get my license and I loved cars. So when I started working at the age of 13, every cent that I had either went into buying shoes or saving up for a car. And that was how I lived. So I didn't really start drinking until I was probably about 19 or 20. And for those of you who are listening overseas, our legal, age to drink is 18. I didn't drink when I was legally able to and I was always able to drink like even at a young age like friends my parents friends or even my parents would say like you know if you want a little bit of alcohol just have it like they I was never told I couldn't have it and I think that was also a huge benefit as well and also why I didn't want it because I could have had it if I wanted to I just didn't really want to it's like everything in life I think if you get told you can't have it you want it more and I was just never told that I couldn't have it so you know I never really wanted it but a lot of my friends at 15 and 16 and 17 were drinking and they would steal beers out of their parents' fridge or, you know, they would have alcohol. I had my first sip of beer and I was like, this tastes like shit. And so I just didn't drink. And then, you know, some of them would steal some tequila or some bourbon and I would have that and I'd be like, oh, it's a bit strong. So I just, it wasn't my thing. But around about 19, I started drinking and I started hanging out with some different friends and, um, you know, we would go to the pub after work. At this time, I was diesel mechanic apprenticeship. And so I was, I was doing my diesel fitter apprenticeship and we would go to the pub. And so I would start, I started drinking a lot of bourbon and i started started. started drinking a lot of vodka and they used to be my my drinks of choice I'd also have like a lot of Red Bull and vodkas as well so I was drinking a lot of that stuff and I used to just drink all the time because I started relating my friendships with alcohol and I think that's what happens like if you look at the neuroscience between habit creation it makes a lot of sense when people get home from work and they say you know I just need a drink they don't really need the drink what they need is the associations that that drink is associated with and that'll be why on a stressful day you'll drive home from work and you might start craving McDonald's or you might start craving a certain food or some chocolate, or you might crave some home cooking. Those cravings are normally, they're called neuro associations, which are past experiences that you've had that relate to that food that make you feel something different. What happened was I started drinking with a lot of my friends. And so after a while, I related fun, friendships, meeting people, because I I really lacked confidence. So now, you know, knowing me, I can talk to anybody. But when I was younger, I couldn't. So I was quite shy until I knew someone. When I knew someone, I was crazy and out of control. But going out and meeting people like if I was out at a bar, I couldn't go and socialize or, or have conversations with people without alcohol. And the more drunk I got, the more I could socialize. And so sometimes I would get drunk before I would go out or I would get drunk before I'd go to the pub just because it gave me that confidence to go and talk to people uh, or to be around people. Or back in those days, it was picking up girls as well. That was my way. So then it started happening where a couple of nights a week, I would go out and I would drink uh, with the boys. Then, you know, Friday, Saturday nights, we would drink quite a bit and, you know, I'd get quite drunk and throw up and all of that sort of Stuff, but then after a while, they were my friends that were at the pub every night and betting on their dogs and all that stuff. And I know I wouldn't drink every night at the pub because I'd go to the gym or whatever and I'd meet them at at the pub and I'd have, you know, some waters or some Coca Cola or whatever it was, but I would drink on Fridays and Saturdays. And then with this new group of friends that I started hanging out with when I was, you know, 21, 22, I, I started working on a party bus where I would take out girls on their 18th, 21st, hens nights, 30th birthdays, and all that. So we, our job was to host them. And so this big bus, this big double-decker bus would take around a whole bunch of groups of people who were out on these night outs. And essentially, we would take them into the nightclub, look after them, then gather them all at a certain time, take them back on the bus, and would go to a different club. I was one of those hosts. And so, a lot of my friends were out quite a lot. And we knew a lot of people at the clubs because we were in those clubs hosting these people. And so, we'd always get free drinks. We would know all the bouncers. We would know the security. We would know some of the owners. And so, everywhere we went, we started getting treated like royalty. And then... Now, all of a sudden, people going, hey, you should come out Wednesday night and you should come out Thursday night. And because, you know, sometimes the start of the week is when the people who work in hospitality are out, we would go out with them. And so it started becoming, you know, a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night thing. And so now I'm drinking every night of the week and I'm drinking until I'm drunk. And normally I would get drunk before I would go out. So I'd have that confidence. And so I was drinking so heavily. And again, it was that neuroassociation of I'm having fun. So therefore, alcohol equals fun. Alcohol equals friendship. Alcohol equals confidence confidence. So my brain is creating these links between all these fun nights and all the people that I'm meeting and the confidence and all that stuff. And it's linking it to alcohol. And so these neural associations are happening within my brain over time I kept having more and more fun and getting more and more drunk and a lot of the times I would wipe myself out and couldn't even remember half the night there were a few times you know I'd got myself into trouble where I ended up getting bottled at a nightclub uh, one night and I couldn't remember the whole night now it might have been I was heavily concussed and I did end up I've still got a scar on my head where the glass broke on the side of my head and ended up cutting uh, my head open and I just remember waking up in the hospital but apparently I would tried to fight police and I tried to fight a whole bunch of people because I was talking to someone who I knew and they had a ex-boyfriend that was jealous and came up behind me and hit me with a bottle because he thought we were doing something but I just knew them from around the place and so you know I was never able to prove that in a court of law but um and not that it mattered anyway but it just I started getting myself into situations that weren't the best and I started becoming more and more confident when I was going out and so I don't know I just got to a place where I went you know what Alcohol's not and going out all the time isn't the fun thing that it used to be and so this was around 25 and 26 and then one night I got really cold and I I was shivering and I was freezing cold. And couldn't figure out what it was and ended up collapsing in the floor of the shower that night when I got home. Uh, I remember the car trip home and or in the cab and I was like almost passing out in the cab and I got home and uh, I put on the shower because I was so cold and I was shivering I couldn't stop shivering and I thought that my drink had been spiked and in the morning I woke up and I was lying on the floor of the shower and the shower was running over me and I'd obviously passed out in the shower and so for the next day or so I was just still cold and shivering and I was in front of the heater and couldn't get warm and when I went to the doctor the doctor was going to run bloods and everything but he said this looks like like you've got chronic fatigue. The chronic fatigue part was the first part that was like the big wake up call. The next part was a doctor said, we'll run some tests, but it looks like you've got chronic fatigue and I'm pretty certain that that's what it is. And he said, you'll just have to learn how to deal with uh, not having the energy of a normal person for the rest of your life. Like it's something that you just have to learn how to manage. And this little voice in my head went, fuck you. Like I'm I'm not gonna define myself by this. And so I walked out of there and never went back. I realized that my drinking was not of benefit to me. And so it started, my pleasure eventually became my pain. And this happens a lot in life when we chase pleasures. Pleasures normally lead to pain. And that's why the word passion, if you look at the original etymology or the history of the word, means to suffer. Because when we chase things that we're passionate about, they might be exciting at first but eventually you get the downside of it which eventually will lead you to suffer. I talk more about this in some of my events I might do a bit of a podcast on etymology and why it's important in human behavior and understanding how people operate but normally our pleasures eventually lead to pain especially if we've been chasing them for a long time or we're unbalanced about them. So that was the first big kick in the guts then the second thing was I started noticing that the more that I was drinking the more foggy I was I wasn't as focused at work um, and this was when I was a personal trainer as well so you know it wasn't the best even though I was I had a six pack and I was fairly, you know, ripped and lean and I was training quite heavily and and all that stuff. But at the same time, like I just, I still was fairly foggy and I was tired during the day and just wasn't the best. And then I ended up reading a book by Paul Check called How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. So I had an ex-girlfriend who put me onto this book and she said, here, you should read this. And she was in the fitness industry as well. And I read it and I went, wow, there's some really interesting things here. In that book, now, not that I agree with everything in that book, but it told me to take a food journal. And so I started tracking my food and I started writing down. 8 pasta bloated. Ate pasta, tired. Ate bread, felt lethargic after eating it. And so I started noticing that certain foods were making me feel tired or lethargic, like bread and pasta and so on. And I was also getting bloated. So that was the first giveaway that something wasn't working. The other thing that I noticed was that every time I wrote down that I consumed alcohol, I was tired the next day, my brain was foggy, my energy levels were shit. And then when I started moving out of personal training and got rid of my business in the personal training industry and I started speaking in the mental performance space or the, the I guess you could say the mental health space or the fucking back in the day, it was like, I just wanted to make people happy. So that was sort of like what I was doing. When I was working in that space, I realized that there was so much I needed to learn and that I needed to put a lot of effort and energy in. And also the businesses that I've had before grew organically because at the time there wasn't a lot of personal trainers around. And so it wasn't hard to get a lot of clientele. There was a lot, but I guess they were like young and immature and they weren't really into the industry. Now there's a lot of really good personal trainers out there who have a really high skill set and a really good level that you can upskill very very quickly back in the day when I was doing it there wasn't like when I first started most personal trainers were essentially jugheads that either just smashed a heap of uh, steroids and wanted to be Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, or they were the average Australian Aussie rule football player that wore, wore footy shorts a tank top you know smashed a couple of beers before training and had had a cigarette while they were doing bench press so it wasn't like it is now. And so for me, I spent a lot of time studying and learning in that industry, but it wasn't as hard for me to get clients. When I moved into this industry, I was like, shit, there's a big gap. Also, I, I need to learn a lot about business because I wanna create a global enterprise. Uh, social media started coming online, like Facebook was starting to become bigger. So I had to learn a lot and I had to remember a lot. And I just started realizing that the more that I drank, the more it was affecting my results in those areas. And I wasn't happy about that. So I started seeing clearer the mission that I had and the vision that I wanted to create and the goals that I had. and I really realized that alcohol was stopping me from getting the best out of myself to achieve those things so that was sort of like stage one. Stage two was realizing that the more that I was drinking, the more foggy and cloudy my mindset was. And also that I would just wake up feeling shit. I wasn't as bouncy out of bed in the morning and I would want to sleep in more. And so that started impacting me more and more. And I went, I, d- I still kept going through a stage where I would drink when I would never drink at home, which I used to do. Like I would get pissed before I'd go out. I stopped doing all of that stuff. Like that pretty much stopped when I started our business because I had a greater reason to not drink. As I was going through building, the business, I did start going out and having, you know, drinks at of a nighttime, drinks at lunch. And I just started thinking like, what's the purpose of this? Like, what's the point? What am I getting out of this? And I started realizing that there was actually no purpose to it. It was just a lot of those neuroassociations associations that were coming up where a friend would say, let's get a glass of wine. I'd go, yeah, let's have a glass of wine because I still related alcohol to friendship and I still related alcohol to connecting. When I realized that I actually don't connect well with people when I've been drinking, I actually connect better when I don't drink. I realized that over time, the habits that once were a benefit to you become something that becomes a disadvantage and everything flips 180 degrees. So now I'm less confident when I drink than when I'm sober. I am uh, less confident or I'm less clear when I'm talking to people and I'm less confident when I go out, when I drink. So I'd rather not drink because I have more confidence when I don't drink. I'm more self-aware. I'm more aware of what other people are saying. So I build build better relationships. You know, I just, I think that overall my life is way better by not drinking. Now that doesn't mean I don't drink because I'm not one of those people. Um, in some other episodes, I spoke about uh, binary thinking and the problem with that. So it's not that I don't drink. It's just that I choose not to drink. Like it's just not a choice that I really make. Is to drink. Like I just don't do it. I went out with my accountant and we always used to drink. I when would go out and I went out with him the other night for dinner. And, you know, we just had a conversation, chat, and he said, Do you want to grab grab a glass of wine? I said, No, I'm gonna to stick to water. And he said, Okay, I will as well. So something else that I started realizing was the less that I drank, the more I inspired other people to drink. But at first, they try to pull you back into their patterns of behavior because it's easier for them to do that than to change. And it wasn't until I started realizing that when you do things that benefit you, they actually benefit other people. But at first, to change is hard work. And so, it's easier for people to say, go on, just have a drink, go on, just just have one, it's only one. Because they don't have to sit there and feel uncomfortable about the decisions that they're making if they can get you to drink. Whereas what I've noticed is if I just go, no, I just don't, I don't drink or I don't want to drink. They're like, oh, okay, well then I won't drink. And then what I notice is over time, they will get in the habit of not drinking when they're around me and they start realizing that they don't need to drink all the time either. And so they start to improve the quality of their life by doing that. So what I do know is that in behavioral change, Your friends and family and the people that you surround yourself with will try to pull you back into your old patterns because that's what they're comfortable with. And that will happen until the day that you're strong enough to say no to that. And you just keep doing your thing without judgment on them and you just let them do their own thing. Like I don't judge people for drinking. I don't give a shit whether people drink or take drugs or whatever. Like it's up to you. It's just that there are benefits and drawbacks to both you know, order any decision. And you need to know what the consequences are of those decisions that you're making. And for me, not being able to work, not being able to do what I love effectively and consistently, not having a good mindset, not thinking through things effectively, not being able to connect with people because I'm not listening effectively. And I'm like half fucked out of my head. That just wasn't, wasn't a huge benefit to me anymore. So I just, don't really do it but every now and again I'll go out on boys night and the boys will go go on let's just let's have a drink and I'll go oh yeah cool I feel like one I'll have one and one will turn into two and two turns into ten and ten turns into a night that I don't remember normally I come home with a lot less money in my wallet than what I started with it's not that that I don't do it it's just that I choose not to in the majority of cases because I just feel that it's better for me not to do it, but like I said, every now and again, I just need to go out and blow off some steam and release the pressure valve in the back of my brain, and I'll go out and drink and party and run a and then I remind myself, shit, I blew a lot of money. I feel like shit for the next couple of days, and maybe I need to instead of doing it once every six months, do it once every eight months. And so slowly over time, it just builds. And so yeah, at first I just started not drinking for like a week, and if I could get through a week, I was doing pretty good and I was happy with that. But over time, that became two weeks, three weeks, and you always test it. That's also why whenever I've worked with anyone who has been part of the addiction model, where they get told shit like once an addict, always an addict, addiction is hard to crack, all of that sort of stuff. I normally tell them, look, in order to move forward and progress with habits, you normally test things. So if you take drugs again, it's not good or it's not bad. It's just that you're testing it. But aware of how shit you feel. So instead of saying, I'm never gonna drink again, I think that that's fucking immature and stupid because you probably will. And then when you do, you'll beat yourself up, you go, I fucked up again, and it will ruin your confidence, your self-worth, all of those things. That's a really shitty way of, of doing things. And I can't believe the amount of people who understand psychology, mindset, mental health, you know, neuroscience and that, who keep making those sort of statements and claims or thinking that people can go forever without testing things out again and checking in with those things is ridiculous and it sets people up to fail. So normally when I'm working with someone who says, I don't want to drink, like, can you stop me from drinking or can you stop me from taking drugs or all of that? I'll say, listen, what we can do is we start to develop the mindset, but at first you've got all these neuroassociations. associations. So if you're used to going out and partying, taking drugs, then from there you're used to partying, taking drugs and then having wild sex. Then now you've got two crazy things that are like interlinked that are highly pleasurable. And then if you're taking drugs because of your confidence, then that helps you with your confidence as well. So you've got all these neuroassociations associations that are highly pleasurable and make life better for you so you perceive that taking drugs is more of a benefit than not taking drugs until it's the other way around. That can become a bit of a challenging pattern to crack, but it just needs a bit of time and, and it needs the right tools to be able to do it. It doesn't need long. It just needs a, it just needs reinforcement. And so if you do that and you reinforce it well enough, there's probably going to be a time where you test it again. So telling an addict that once an addict, always an addict, and if you try it again, you know, you're, you're relapsing, then what happens is they try to be good all the time. And it's like this consistent fight. Like I fucking want it. I want it. I want it. But that's because when you're told you can't have something, you want it more. So when people try to give up alcohol and they say, I can't, I, I, you know, I'm not drinking. I don't drink. Like, you know, I need to give it up. That in itself creates the urge to want it more. Whereas when you just go, you know what? I just don't really feel like drinking tonight because I want to see how I feel in the morning when I wake up. Then you've gone one day without drinking. Fantastic. And then tomorrow night you'll probably drink again. And that's fine. If you do, then just next time try a day again and see what happens. Over time, you'll start to realize that the days that you don't drink, you feel better. Just like the days where you don't take drugs, you won't, you won't have those come downs and the feeling like shit afterwards, or you know, making poor decisions and those sort of things. So the more then you start to realize that and your brain latches on and locks onto that, the more it'll want to do it. Not feel like it has to do, it, and it's forcing itself to do it. And so slowly over time, you work into having a couple of days without alcohol to weeks. Every now and again, I would well, I would go out at first and just have alcohol again every weekend, and then that became every couple of weeks. Then it became every couple of months, and then just slowly over time, it's just something that I don't really do. The point is, be a little bit easier on yourself realize that it's a process, you have to break down those neural associations and create new neuro associations. So at first, if alcohol means confidence, when you start to realize that alcohol means you feel less confident and not having alcohol means you're more confident, then now you're creating neural associations. Alcohol is not beneficial, but being sober or not having a drink is more beneficial and so that's then starts to build those neural associations and that's the way that all habits are created. So it's just a bunch of neural associations and there are ways of doing it that are a lot quicker. I do this in our Thrive Time event. I go through about how you can create habits in under an hour if you really work at it hard. You can create new habits depending on how long you've had those habits for. I'm talking about some of the easier habits, not the real hard ones, but it just takes a little bit of time, a little bit of work and, and you can build them pretty quickly. I have read research that says habits can take 21 days. I've read 20 20- 26 days. I've read research that has said 60 days. I've read research that's 80 days. But when you correlate all that data, it can be anywhere between 21 and 365 days on average. But some of us on here have been trying to create habits for the last 20 years and still haven't created those habits. So really, habits are just about forming brand new neural associations that are stronger than the old associations. And that means that you break an old habit and you create a brand new habit. Just take your time, just start looking at the benefits of not having the alcohol if you do want to, if you do want to change it, and notice how shit you feel feel when you do have it the next morning, the next day. Have a look at all the stupid decisions that you make, like overspending money, going out way too late, feeling like shit the next day, sleeping in on a Sunday instead of getting up and doing stuff um, that you want to do. And over time, you just start to create painful neural associations with alcohol and you'll stop and you'll have more benefit to not drinking. So this is the easiest way of doing it. But anyway, I thought I'd share a little bit of my journey and please jump across to my socials and let me know if this helps because I know that there are a lot of people who come to my events who drink alcohol daily. You know, there are a lot of people who have a beer after work or a wine after work. There are some of you who have, you know, multiple drinks on weekends or multiple bottles of red or, you know, multiple um, cartons of beer or whatever. But please jump across to one of my socials and just let me know, like, if this helped, just change the way of thinking. But please don't do the whole black and white thinking, which is I'm just going to give it up now and I'm never going to have it again because very, very rarely has that worked. In fact, I don't think I've ever come across someone that just goes bang and or maybe one person, maybe two um, that ever does that and it works. Because most people will just go back to doing what they're doing, then they'll self-defeat, they'll beat the shit out of themselves, they'll punish themselves, which then will make them feel bad. When you feel bad, you look for something good. Um, And that good might be the feeling of, of drinking again. So yeah. I hope that helps. Anyway, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo. I'm the owner of Mojo Human Performance Institute. We focus on business mindset and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. The reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life and I just don't want you to be one of them. If you haven't already hit me up on socials as well, please let me know if you've got any topics you want me to cover around human behavior, around business, mindset, or anything to do with lifestyle hacking about how to live the life that you actually want that you've created um, because these are the topics that I absolutely love that I've been researching for the last almost 20 years now. Um, And so I'm more than happy to share as much insights as I can, but I'd love to hear from you guys and girls as well out there. Um, So please jump across to my socials, MichaelMojo00 on any of my social media platforms, apart from Instagram, and that is just the O's and the zeros are switched around but if you type in the search bar, it will come up. Hit me up um, and just let me know what you're thinking of the podcast. Also, a massive thank you to all of those of you who are sharing the podcast. Um, I just checked my Instagram then and I noticed that a couple of you have tagged me in and shared uh, the Instagram as well, uh, or screenshotted it and shared it. So I really do appreciate it as well. The more people you can get this out to, the more people I can help live an epic life and and stay staying driven anyway. So uh, anyway, cheers Driven Mofos. Never underestimate the dream and keep living with Mojo. Keep pushing hard.